Hi, welcome to Shrink Wrapped. <laughs> I'm Allison Colorosi here with Dr. David Colorosi, and we are here to th- talk about all things pop psychology. And we've had a, we've had a big week. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. How have you been? <laughs> good. I think. How have you been? I've been good. We've had for the last two days during the workday. We've had a two-year-old running around while we've been trying to work. It has been a total nightmare. <laughs> I mean, like a total, I mean, Allison and I are back to back all day and we've got Lino. I mean, he's like a terrorist in the house. They shut down daycare because their water heater broke. It's been Arctic here. Yeah, so. it's been Arctic. But I don't understand. Like negative six. I, so I don't mean to be a jerk about it, but I get they need to wash their hands. I'm all, I'm pro hygiene. But couldn't we use like sandy wipes and cold water? I don't could get around the but hot maybe water. it's it's the baby's bottles that need to be sanitized. It's not just maybe like they just send the babies home. Then buy some bo- yeah, send the babies home. Because <laughs> I'm suffering. I do not understand. Um the so whole anyway, thing. The whole been, thing is been cold, been, but we've got a lot of skiing in. Yeah. And so skiing a lot, doing really well. That's good, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so there have been some things which Dave has brought up in his YouTube channel, which I thought we should talk about here because um, because I find them interesting and I have a little bit of a different take on all of them. Before I turn the camera on, she goes, I want to talk about Britney Spears because I disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about, let's do Britney's, let me, I'll give a high level overview and we'll talk about Britney Spears. Okay. Okay. Britney Spears, like in two, I'm going to butcher the dates, but let's just say 2007, 2004, went postal. The media said she went postal. She had either a bipolar episode or was suicidal, which was 5150. She was hospitalized, and she was put under a conservatorship by her father, who was kind of not present in her life. And her father kind of entered and took over to run Britney's, I think essentially her financial affairs, I, I think, like, her franchise, too, like, deciding where she could, um, how she performed, where she performed, also who was allowed to be around her. Yeah, like, really ru- ran her life. And he's continued to run her life for the last 15 years. And so this Free Britney movement is about her trying to get out from underneath that because Britney has, in the last several years, tried to remove him as the conservator and replace him with somebody else. She's not tried to get out from under the conservatorship entirely, which is, I think, interesting. And just as a side note, conservatorships are usually for senile old people that have no ability to, to take care of themselves. So they don't want to have, you know, a 105-year-old man try and invest in the stock market so they manage his money. It's pretty odd to have a 40-year-old woman who's under a conservatorship. Yeah, it's... To me, it's really sad. I'm a huge fan of Britney, by the way. I have always been a huge fan. When she, you know, we've been to her concert. We, She's I a, was like, a, I was a supporter during the crazy times. Okay, so what you have to know is, so Allison always liked Britney, but when Britney went a little bit nuts, like the head shaving and bashing in the side of cars, I feel like you really embraced, you really embraced Britney. That I was just, it. I just felt bad for her. You know that and song, Alice- Pieces of Me? No. Um, she wrote a song, and she, and I was like, that's so sad for her. It's like, she's too fat. No, she's too thin. I don't remember that Everyone song. wants a piece of me. I can't remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. 
I was like, it's it's so true. Like she couldn't like she was never like someone always had a commentary or was in her face about something, and so she like didn't. I felt like she got no no time to process any of the things that a normal person would, and she was like, like basically thrown to the wolves, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. So what's your in a misogynistic world? So because give, what JT did to her, Justin Timberlake, like basically. All right, I, okay, this okay. part I don't get. Okay, give, <laughs> so what did JT do to her? I don't understand why he's coming out. I, I don't understand. I do that part. I don't get. What did he do to her? Like they broke up, and he basically said she cheated on him. Did she? I don't know. So, and she did she deny it? I don't. I don't know. So why are we all attacking JT? Why is JT coming out? Why, first of all, why are we calling him JT? Why did Justin Timberlake come out and apologize for the... I, I get that maybe he was not supportive enough or maybe he was too dismissive. And I get that... I get that because he's male, he didn't face the same level of scrutiny that, that Britney did. Not at all. She was like... She was like always... Like either she was, you know, too little girl or too sexualized or too... I mean, she was never right for the media. And, I mean, despite that, she was a huge pop star. Like, I feel like Madonna embraced that or, like, Lady Gaga embraced it. And poor Britney was, like, 16 and just, it was, like, yeah, so sad. Okay, yeah. All right, I, I'll give you that. I don't know why Justin Timberlake needs to come out and give an apology. I didn't know he did. Yeah, he gave an apology for Britney and Janet Jackson. You know, because he ripped off Janet Jackson, like showed her boob on purpose. Was, I mean, it was pretty obvious that it was on purpose during the Super Bowl. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. You know I know what I'm you're about? talking about, but I thought Janet was complicit. Is that sh- okay? She had a nipple ring that was. I I remember <laughs> some things stick out in my mind. Janet Jackson had a nipple ring that was like uh, very ornamental. Uh-huh. It wasn't like a straightforward nipple ring. It was like a full sun crack <laughs> around it, and it was a very glitzy nipple ring. Oh, so maybe that's that's her nipple ring, or she was complicit, and I don't feel bad about it. But he had to come out and say, "Hey, I'm sorry," because Janet got a lot of crap, and he didn't, and Brittany got a lot of crap, and he didn't, and so he had to come out and say, "Sorry, he was less supportive." And for me, I'm like, it's just performative. I don't think he's, you know. That's, I'm not sure he has anything to really be That is your male for. privilege talking right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. What's your perspective? Anyway, let's get back to... No, no, you don't get to just say it's my male privilege and move Because on. I feel like he got to talk smack about Britney. He didn't talk smack about Britney. He did. They asked him what happened in the relationship, and he said, she cheated on me. And then he did a whole video about her cheating on him. Can I please play devil's advocate? Maybe she cheated on him. Does that not matter to anybody? I don't understand why we're all attacking the poor guy. Poor guy got cheated on. I believe him. <laughs> all right, what's your give the hot take on Brittany? What what do you where do you disagree with me? Um, I think that she like I think because of this conservative ership, she has been unable to um, progress as an adult. So she hasn't been able to fail like with her finances or fail um, with friendships because like it's so orchestrated around her. She doesn't get to choose. 
she doesn't get to make choices on her own. So um, when I watch her on Instagram, it, it feels like I'm looking at a 16-year-old person that never grew up, which makes me sad. It's like a little like Peter Pan. Yeah. So I would think we agree on that. I think we totally agree. Do you think she's has? Do you think she struggles with mental illness? Um, I think anyone in the position she was in, um, would have struggled in that way. Like she had cameras in her face constantly. It sounds like her mom said she had postpartum depression. And, like, when you hear her talk about, like, just trying to get away from the paparazzi, so she put the baby on her lap because she was felt fearful oh, yeah. of that the paparazzi's too, getting too close to the baby. Then, like, they're demonized, they're, like, mom shaming her, you know, I just, the whole thing. Like, I'm sure she probably struggles with major depression and she, anger. I'm, I am, yeah, I think, what I think is interesting, and I think we should that people need to be aware of is that we don't really know. Like it's, if you look on the, if you look on the internet, it's like widely accepted that she's bipolar. And I'm not totally certain that there's enough data there to really prove that. But you didn't talk about like her Instagram, like the cadence of her speech and stuff. I did. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think that she, I mean, I'll say it again, but I did, I did mention it that you talk about here on my video. On, on her Instagram, you were telling me like, Oh, that sounds like a manic person. Just like the, the way she's um, talking on the Instagram, like her voice, speech, cadence, and what yeah, she, the yeah, erratic. She, she has been put on a fifty-one fifty hold. I believe that's what it's called. I, it's been a while since I was in California, but she was on a hold presumably because she was for suicidal ideation. I don't know why else she'd do that. Her speech definitely is very erratic, very pressured, very rushed. She's her behavior seems erratic. I think that there's a lot of behavioral things that you could look at and you would go, that seems diagnosable. Mm -hmm. And we don't know what drug cocktail she's on. We don't know, and we don't, we're not like, I don't think we're really thinking about her environment. You know, shaving her, her head definitely comes across like a bipolar behavior. You know, going into mania and freaking out and making a bad decision. And there's a lot of other reasons why you would do that. Like trying to get the paparazzi to stop harassing, her. constantly harassing you because you're so you're you are your whole life has been destroyed because you're a sex symbol. The easiest solution is to not be a sex symbol anymore, and so you shave your head. Like I, I, there's a lot of and if somebody if I just lost custody of my two kids and some paparazzi was flashing a camera in my face, I would bash his car too. Like I don't think there's a lot of things that were I think at the time we looked at and go mental illness, and they get but, so close. Right, it's just ridiculous. It's like they're in. I feel like there's no regard for space. Yeah, you and, know. And one thing I think we that no one says, but, but uh, people have talked about the gender issue a lot, um, and I agree that she's mistreated or treated differently. Because I was thinking about Charlie Sheen, for sure, bipolar, for sure, drug addict, for sure, erratic, but he has control of his money. He, uh, he can control his life. The guy thinks he has tiger blood, right? He, I mean, he's, it's like he is the most extreme example of an out-of-control celebrity, but he can still make financial decisions for himself. So why are they taking Britney Spears and putting her under this conservatorship? 
Well, and one of the things that you brought up to me just in this conversation, you were saying, well, she, it's not that she wants to get out of it. She wants just not her dad to do it. Mm-hmm. And I, I was thinking that's because she does not have the confidence in herself because of how she's been handled. Yeah. yeah. And so, so, which to me, like Charlie Sheen is confident that he can handle it, but she like probably feels less confident because she, you know, she didn't have a chance to fail. She didn't have a chance to learn the normal things in life. And so, um, so she probably doesn't have the confidence. In that. That's a really good point. That is a good point. I would love Which to, makes me sad. I would love to interview her to see. Wouldn't that be fascinating? Yeah. Brittany, hit me up. Well, and I bet that, like, given the opportunity, she'd probably surprise us all and be a badass because, you know. I think she would. Yeah. I mean, she can put it, pull it together for sure. Yeah. Anyway. Free Britney. Hashtag Free Britney. Hashtag Free Britney. <laughs> and if you haven't seen it, the documentary is called, it's on Hulu and, is it FX? But it's called uh, Britney Framed. It's yeah. Good. It's good. It is kind of crazy that people have time to go sit in front of the courthouse on her behalf, though. <laughs> there would be maybe other things that I would do with my, with my time, but there are passion. I do think it's I amazing. I like passionate people. I, I, I like the passion, and there are people like Brittany and Lady Gaga also that have, f- for certain segment of the population, really provided support and guidance. Like, there's something about Brittany that makes some people feel okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, there, there's a certain segment, like I know Lady Gaga, I think, calls them her little monsters. But her little monsters crowd is cultish in how much they support her because she sort of... Her music is... Yeah, and her music makes them feel good. I think there's, like, Cody Rigsby is going to have some, too. <laughs> I have a coworker that absolutely loves Cody Rigsby, believes that Cody Rigsby saved her life, changed her life, everything, and I think she's not alone. Cody Rigsby is a uh, cyclist on Peloton. (laughs) Allison's favorite cyclist. Not my favorite, but, like, up there. Who's your favorite? I am a big fan of Olivia and Christine. Actually, I have a lot of them. I like, um, I also like Tunde. And um, on Sundays, I like Allie Love, so I'm all over the map. For me, Allie Love is too is too nice, and Tunde is too hard. <laughs> She's so hard. <laughs> that's how I that's how I think about Alex Toussaint. I yeah, like always I like, like oh, I don't think I can do that today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what else? What other things did you want to talk about? Okay, so on Valentine's Day. Um, Dave Hollis. So last week I told you that I was really missing Dave Hollis from the coaching session. I take oh, it yeah. back. I'm, <laughs> I'm so unimpressed with Dave Hollis right now and his decision to post <clears throat> his new hormonal love. I his feel like horm- he, that's the dismissive he, out his hormonal. I don't love. mean to be dismissive, but he just met a woman they met over like trying to do a podcast and cried their eyes out, and now they're in love. Uh, Heidi Powell. Heidi Powell. I mean, she's she's a fitness person and she looks amazing. But I'm just disappointed in like the, the whole the whole thing because Ra- Dave and Rachel Singh was like living intentionally, and their brand was their marriage and whatever that fell apart, but. 
to me, and you didn't mention this in your podcast about it, but I think we got to say it. Like, Dave has struggled with alcoholism, and this seems very alcoholic to me. I didn't know he was an alcoholic. Yeah. So he he quit drinking because he had alcohol problems. Did you read his book? No. Does he define himself as alcohol dependent? Just know that he struggled with it. Not, I don't, that he would always drink too much. It was oh. a negative, it was like he would drink a handle of vodka on vacation because he didn't want to hang out with family and stuff like that. That's what he said in his book anyway. Oh. So, I mean, like, I think it wasn't. I mean, it, what I think is that the, the, I think it was a bad decision to po- to go, I think it was a bad decision to go social, and I feel like a high school student being like he went social with his girlfriend but (laughs) i think it was a bad decision in that for his kids the the time the divorce is i think very fresh they got divorced or they they announced their divorce in june and then here he is whatever that is nine months later you know talking about how he's so happy to be with this with this other woman i think for dave it's totally appropriate I'm sure the relationship with Rachel was dead for a long time, way before he announced it, and he knew it was going that way. And so for him, he's in a fresh place, and it's it's totally appropriate, totally healthy, you know. But the reality is that Dave's not alone. He's got whatever it is, four kids. And Heidi's got four kids. And so for me, it feels like, and Heidi got divorced, by the way, I just learned, like in March also. Yeah, they got at the same time, but she, her kids are from, she's been married twice already. Oh, geez. So anyway, it just feels a little bit impulsive and it's not the end of the world, but I, I, to me, it's, it's worth talking about because I think it, it, I think it shows that people in relationships, um, even if they have the best intentions, make decisions that are selfish. I think it's hard when you're feeling a lot of emotions to be thoughtful about how you behave. Dave Hollis is a public figure and is posting this on Instagram. He knows the world is going to evaluate and judge, and he still makes a decision that, to me, feels like it was a selfish decision. How do I make myself feel good on Valentine's Day? And he makes a decision decision that he, if he thought about it, would recognize would not make his kids feel good. He chose himself over the kids, less than a year after divorce to me feels like maybe not a great decision and i just i think he's a good guy i think he's well-intentioned i think a lot of people are good guys and well-intentioned but it's easy to get lost in your emotions and make bad decisions yeah it just seems so weird to me to do that um to post something like (laughs) like a facebook post about it that just seems like childish or something i don't know it just seems like so weird yeah the other surprised and she looks kind of like rachel i thought yeah she does i mean and i i i want to read her book because i bet there's a lot of good good tips in it i just think that they're it's just so strange and also i was listening um to rachel's podcast and she was talking about how she was feeling bored. So she decided to join a celebrity dating app, which I also think is like, I feel like it's still a tender time for your kids. And it just seems like like a weird time for both of them to come out with like, hey, we're dating. So here's, I have a, and I have another way to think about this because when I put my video out, some people said, hey, look, you know, it's time for them to move on. The kids are the kids are ready for them to move on. 
if you think about the audience that is invested in their books and their teaching and their podcasts, et cetera, and the audience, like if you're feeling like, hey, it's too early, your investment of their relationship is a fraction of what their kid's investment in their relationship is. So if you're not ready for it, right, if, if the audience isn't ready for it, the chances of their kids being ready for it is pretty slim because their kids were very invested in their relationship, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's just a good metric or sort of a good barometer for us to think about. This is, I would argue, early for both of them, given that, given that the kids are watching. And, it, I mean, it doesn't, like, honestly, it doesn't matter what we think at all. It's just, like, really shocking. I guess, it, to me, it keeps diminishing their brand. Like, like they keep, their brand yeah, keeps do, going do, down and down in do my mind. I'm like, money? what are you doing? I, do, I feel like they, have the they, they, they make so much money. But so I want the best for you, Ray, 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 and Dave. I want the best for you. But, like, I am not – I feel like I'm less likely to be spending, what is it, $400 on your next conference, which I would have probably done before your celebrity dating app thing. Just weird. I don't. All right, but tell the story. You, she told me <laughs> – Allison, you, you do like Rachel still. Yes, and Rachel did, what was the joke that she made about like how she tried to screenshot her celebrity? Oh, she show? was like impressed with the people on the dating app. And so she tried to screenshot it so that she could share it with her friends. And they gave her two strikes. So she did it twice, once on purpose and one time on accident. And she has two strikes, so she's almost out. <laughs> anyway, so a little disappointing, but I do feel like it is diminishing the brand. Yeah, I agree. You know what you want to talk about? No. I feel like that's a, that was a short podcast. Really? I don't know. Maybe not. Um, well, until next time, everyone. Thank you. Hi, welcome to Shrinkwrapped. I'm Allison Colarossi here with Dr. David Colarossi, and we are back from a four-week hiatus. I know. We, we were slipping. We, David's been traveling for work, and to be honest, I just didn't want to do my hair. That's the, that is the real reason. That's the <laughs> truth. Is I'm always like, do you want to do a shrink wrap? She's like, I, I'm not doing my hair tonight, so, so no shrink wrap. I think but your hair looks beautiful tonight. Thank you. I half did it for this. It looks like it was, it looks like it was full done. I don't know, ladies. If if have you ever heard of the Dyson Air Wrap? It's amazing. Anyway, we're gonna start today with um, some listener questions. Um, so we're we're trying to evolve this the, the this podcast. So what we're gonna do is try and get listener questions. So I put a post out on YouTube. I did not get a ton of re- replies. I got a couple of replies and then some direct messages. Um, but if you have questions for us that you want us to answer. Shoot me, and you can send me an email, you can send it to me on Instagram, or you can post it right onto YouTube, and we'll uh, answer them here. And you can do the same on my platforms as well. Yeah, do you, are you, do you want to talk about your platforms? You can do it on our um, Instagram or Facebook. What's your, what's your handle? I don't know. Allison, the social media guru. Also, she's like, what about my platform? I'm like, well, yeah, of course. Are you trying to, are you going to create a platform? Anyway, let's start with the first question. <laughs> Maybe stick to mine because I think it gets checked more. <laughs> All right. Okay. This comes from Stacy Stacy Bobasi. 
And this was, she posted it literally a month ago, and we've, that's how delayed we are. Okay. All right, sorry, Stacy. All right, Allison touched on my main question a few weeks ago, but I'm wondering if you guys could talk more about friendships, uh, leaving friendships when it's time to, and then building new friendships. I made the sad choice to cut a lot of friends out of my life because of 2020, and the events each month seemed to bring, uh, highlighted some wild behavior I hadn't seen in them before. It seemed like, it seems like this is the kind of social phenomenon amongst a lot of my peers, 30 to 40-somethings. My whole social life changed. I went from a big group of good friends, and now there's three of us by choice. So it's not a sad choice, but it hurts nonetheless because everything will be different now. How do we know if we made the right choice in leaving the friendships? How do I explain to my kids that we no longer visit our fun friends for outings because our life choices no longer align? That's interesting. I feel like it goes back to um, your assessment on how, like, we are in a global trauma. Yeah. And so, like, it sounds like she, how what she did was she decided, like, what Stacey Bobasi did was that she decided, like, certain things were important to her. And so, like, if she saw her friends engaging in behavior outside of those values during this year, she cut them off. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that that's forever. And you, if, if for some reason you might have been um, a little too uptight about it. <laughs> I don't feel like you had to break up with your friends if they were different than you. If they had a different of a... Di- that's the problem is like... I feel like people... <laughs> No, I do have to take a sip right then when I was looking at you. Well, no, I just feel like people... I just uh, say we, we got one person that reached out to us on YouTube and you called them uptight. <laughs> Stacy, let us... We're going to re... Allison's going to regroup and let's try it a different way. Okay, can way. we start No, 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 come on, keep going. Okay. Um, so, Stacy, You know what? I think that well, as the psychological assessments have shown based on David's team, that um, we have all been in, like, this global trauma. And so we all react differently. So where you felt like you could control your environment um, by getting rid of certain friends, that's how you dealt with the trauma. But I don't feel like you have to stay. You don't have to break up with them forever. And, like, you can just understand that they dealt with a similar trauma. They just dealt with it differently than you did. Yeah, I think that the I think the challenge of 2020 is that for the first time, at least in my life, at least that I'm aware of, is we started conflating um, personal personal uh, values or, or our political beliefs have never been more conflated. I think with um, are you a good person or a bad person, and it's, it, I think that that's a major flaw in our thinking. And so I don't, Stacey, I don't know what your friends did or didn't do. You know, so I'm sort of jumping to conclusions here, but assuming it's that, you know, they voted different than you or, or viewed whatever regulations different than you. I, like, I do think it's a miss if we throw them out of our lives because they're they're bad people now. Yeah. You know I mean? Like, I think that we should be able to have different. I mean, the big the big flaw or the big problem with 2020 is that we all stopped being able to have dif- disagreements without it getting personal. And so, you know, my thought is. Maybe in 2020, because yes, we were all going like from a, what Allison's referring to is there's a lot of data showing that our ability to be resilient uh, has diminished greatly since about April. 
um, to the point that from like a, when we're evaluating people for jobs, we no longer test for resiliency because no one is resilient. So it's like we are collectively dealing with trauma. And when people are being traumatized, they, 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 they scramble and they go to what feels the most protective, the most safe. And I think in a lot of ways we've done that as far as our, our values. Like if you don't believe with me, if you don't believe what I believe, you're not with me and something's wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And that thinking has divided a lot of relationships. Uh, I, I mean, that is spot on. I so, think, I mean, just like the politically, you, there's no discourse anymore. It's zero, either you're I've on never, one side or the other. Yeah, I've never had it where it, like, I like debate. This is the first year where I have felt like it's not fun to debate because it, it, it goes immediately to not only are you wrong, but you're stupid and you're morally broken. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like that's the progression and I think that's a miss. So what I would say, Stacey, I don't I mean, again, I don't know what your mm-hmm. friends did, but I would give yourself the permission to, you know, give yourself an off ramp if in a year you're not as frustrated with them and you want to resume that relationship, don't feel like you have to stick to your guns. I think it felt, it probably felt right in the moment to reduce your friend group to the three, but there might be a time when you want to resume the old relationships. Well, and, 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 and Stacy, I would caution you because even if like the three of you at one point decided that you guys were going to be in each other's bubble, but now like you're ready to expand that, but they aren't, I don't, I feel like it's okay for you to think differently about it. Then yeah, you don't have to stay in with the same two other people or you don't have to have the same opinion as them because Mm -hmm. again, like everyone deals with this differently. So um, I like the off-ramp idea, and if for some reason you feel like you damaged a relationship, I feel like a, a good, authentic apology always helps. Like, yeah. hey, I missed you. I'm sorry. Like, 2020 sucked. Mm-hmm. I miss you, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, I hope that helps, Stacy. I think that was, yeah, besides us calling her up tight, I think we did a really good job on our first... Yeah, sorry. Oh, that, listener question. Okay, next question. <laughs> That's That was the only question I have on my phone. The other question came from Chris Leeper, who was asking about, do you know what stereotype, and I don't have this specific question here, but do you know, have you heard of stereotype threat? No. Stereotype threat is the, it's the idea that, not the, not, I mean, it's not, even, it's not an idea or a theory, it's the truth that um, our, our societal beliefs about performance actually uh, influence how people actually perform. So if there is a stereotype about some, about, for example, women not being good at math, and you give a female a math test, she's going to score, she's not going to perform well on that math test in many, re- in many ways because of the stereotype, because she has in the back of her mind, women aren't good at math tests. And the way that they've test this, tested this is they've given math tests to women and said, here's a math test, take it, Let's see how you perform. And then use the same math test and said, this test is tailored for women. See how you perform. And when you put the caveat there that it's tailored for you, and all of a sudden the stereotype goes away, the performance Mm. accelerates. I mean, I feel like that's a new term for self-fulfilling prophecy. It's been around for a while. Really? Stereotype threat? I don't like it. Why? I don't know. It doesn't, to me, it doesn't make sense. Self-fulfilling prophecy does. But I do feel like that stuff, I mean. But it's the, but the self-fulfilling prophecy suggests that the, indiv- that the, that the, that the, in this case, the woman is walking into the test saying, I'm going to do bad on this test. 
Which is or someone than, else told them that, and so then they do bad on the test. So then it's not self-fulfilling. It's a fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> but wait, what's it's a, the stereotype? So, so for example, if, if you can think of any stereotype, the idea that knowing that that stereotype exists creates more anxiety heading into whatever measure of performance there is and changes the way you actually behave. Well, yeah, duh, but like that's known, isn't it? My bad. What's the Some question? Research no, I mean, I feel like, okay, I just heard like a whole lecture. I was on a women's leadership call for work and about like all the microaggressions women have gotten that, I mean, anyway, what's the question? So his question was about members of different minority groups. How do we, how are we evaluating performance academically? Like at what age does stereotype threat start to influence performance? And what's the impact on a middle schooler or high schooler? that's trying to make, make their mm. way through. Like, how early on does that happen? And my answer, my answer to that is, I think, super early on. As soon as you are aware of the stereotype, I think it changes your behavior. Mm-hmm. What do I you think? I think so, yeah. So what's the question, I guess another question would be, what do we do about it? In a perfect world, how would you protect against that? No, I think like I really feel until my 30s, I didn't even I remember being told like women aren't as good at math as men. I remember that yeah. now. And then like now I'm going back to that time of my life. Like, why were they telling us that? You know, so it is very I don't know what you do about it, but like it's sad that I've just realized it at 30. And how it's how those little those little microaggressions probably shaped my life so much. Yeah, I mean they they could have shaped the way you see. Like yourself. you should be you should be a mom. Like you're going to be a mom, so you need a, a job that's flexible. Like I th- that was ingrained since junior high. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure you weren't told that at all. That I need a job that's flexible for a family. Yeah, sure I was. No. You were not. You were not. Okay, we're talking about stereotypes, but I don't know why we needed. Why we? I feel like we're also the the conversation shifted to chastising me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but hopefully, we just stop doing that. Like everyone, we want everyone to live up to their full potential. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, academically, I don't know. Like, you know. Well, I think that we probably have to be intentional about the material that we share, like the, the, the material and the tools that we are using early on and make sure that there's as much bias eliminated as possible. And we probably be more intentional about like the examples we use in class and make sure that as, as early on, you know, I, I am vehemently against uh, artificially changing outcomes, but I think as much as we can be uh, intentional in how we teach so that the outcomes are more equal, I think that's really powerful probably early on like I would say even starting like in first grade you want people to be finding success and and tailoring the material so that it's at least balanced so that everybody has an even crack at it mm-hmm. you know yeah I do think that's important all right that didn't like very fun you, you seem less energized by that topic let's talk about Prince Harry and Meghan Markle mm. I didn't even think I was into it but I really i watched the interview with you and i was sh- <laughs> i was shocked about it what so say what did you what did you think 
Well, well first of all, Allison didn't want to, I was like, I'm going to do a YouTube video mm -hmm. on this. I'm going to watch this video. And Allison's like, okay, I, mm -hmm. like, I don't care at all. And like, you were enraptured. And you happened, which I didn't realize, you're like a history buff for the, for the crown. Or because of the crown, you are a history buff. No, I'm I'm pre crown history buff. Like I just love anything with royalty and crowns and jewels. And I I, I was a big Philippa Gregory and, fan. And, and costume fam. and costumes. And costumes. Okay. All right. What do you think? What do you think of Megan? Okay, so I have been out of like the whole. I I just didn't. Uh, I've been out of the whole royalty scene drama, so I didn't understand any of the stuff that was happening to them and I wasn't paying attention to it. So I like I like pre-Kate and Meghan Markle drama. Um, I, d I didn't know really anything that happened with after Kate and, and them. So, so when they left, I thought that was interesting. Wait, Al, did, Dish on what do you think of Meghan? I don't know what you're talking about. What do you think of Meghan? To me, it was like the weirdest interview. I've ever seen she to me it was just like it seemed as you say performative it didn't seem like a real person was um really sharing her concerns I guess okay I'm gonna I feel like you're hedging she did not like Megan why are you saying you, that I you, you you the whole time we were watching you did not I did not feel like you were bought into Megan's story because I didn't I don't like when people like throw people under the bus and then, like, and then just act too big to do it. Like, she threw Kate under the bus and then was like, well, I mean, I'm not really going to go there. I'm not going to tell you what really happened because yeah. I'm protecting Kate. But it was Kate who did it. And I was like, yeah. kind of like, that's weird to throw someone under the bus and then not tell the story. Or to be like, I had mental health concerns and I went to leadership and no one did anything. And then Oprah was like, you went to leadership and no one did anything. And she's like, well, Harry did. And then Harry gets on and he's like, no, I didn't. And so I didn't like that either because I felt like there mm -hmm. were some inconsistencies in the story. Mm -hmm. I I do want to say, though, that she's an impressive woman, yeah. Meghan Markle. And I do think that, like, I think one of your analyses was that, like, how do you put someone that's so impressive in yeah, such a, in yeah. a role like that where she you know, basically is told what to do all the time. Like, that seems... So I, I think it was important that they got out. I just don't like the way that it went down. I feel like calling calling them racist but not calling who, like, makes everybody wonder. You yeah, know? I thought... Yeah, that's the... Like, just the say it Here's all. the problem is I would like to just go on and, like... Like, because I didn't... I did not like her presence on it. Like the like the way she spoke and the, her, her just her affect and stylistically, I didn't like it. And she was lev like lobby or um, she was making some really sig significant claims against the royal family. And if those are true, then it's like, oh my god, we should support her, and it's atrocious, right? Like if 100%. if racism was so, it's but it's interesting. So I posted that video, and I, the amount of first of all. I am ignorant, and everybody tells me how ignorant I am on both sides. Like, people that are pro-Megan, I'm ignorant, and people that are pro-The Crown, I'm ignorant. Either I would, way. I'd you, agree with that. You just, just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, so, it, so, I feel like we have to put the racism thing on aside, because I don't know if it's true or not, but it sounds, it's, it, it, she's saying it's true, I sort of feel like we have to believe her. But I agree with you, I didn't like how she 
discussed it. Like, well, it, if it's a tell-all, then tell all. Yeah, don't tell just all. tell stuff to make you look good. That bugs. Yeah, like I want to know what you did that was wrong, Megan, because I'm sure you weren't perfect, and I'm sure none. Like, I think it's probably hard to be like. I'm sure there's like swirls of stuff happening yeah. in in there, but I, um, I I'm like, if you're gonna tell all, tell all. Like, don't just like. No one can fight back with you. You know, and the one thing especially that, when you got Oprah on your side. Yeah, and the idea, just as a side note, the idea that Oprah, at the beginning, Oprah's like, and you have no idea what questions I'm going to ask. She's like, yeah, we have no idea. I don't believe that for a second. There's no way Oprah wasn't prepped, or that, I mean, Megan wasn't prepped for the questions. Well, of course, she, she no may way. not have been prepped, but she, like, already knew what she was going to say. For sure. And just as I, one thing I haven't complained about, but like the more I think about it, it drives me nuts. So they don't feel like they're being supported by the royal family. First of all, they go, we're going to move to Canada to get away because we feel unsafe or whatever. We're going to move to Canada. So they go to Canada and I can imagine and they, they write a note to the queen or whatever and say to the queen, hey, we'd like to still like get paid as part of the royal family and get the security as part of the royal family. But we just want to sort of do it when it's convenient for us. We don't want to be all in. So I can imagine the queen or whoever saying, no, thank you. And it would, and then they were like, well, now everybody knows where we are. So we have to move and we want to get out. Of, we want to get away from the spotlight and we don't want the paparazzi and we really want security. Like at the end of the day, we just want security. So where do you go if you don't want to be in the spotlight and you don't want any paparazzi and you just really want to work on your nuclear family and just being parents and you don't you want to bring up a kid in a normal life a normal life and you, yeah you just want to be Around as safe, other super as rich safe and secure as possible <laughs> i know los angeles that's right so it's a little bit like this feels like, kind of like it's megan's dream here why are we going to you could go literally anywhere would be better than los angeles i that is really funny but i do and and i think it's probably because their social circle is like all famous people yeah so they want to be with their friends yeah i mean it was i mean it was interesting it's entertaining <laughs> wouldn't you love to get like prince williams like true reaction to that when he watched that video i bet you he is outraged no, I actually feel so sad because, like, they are our age and we grew up with them and they were, like, besties, like, our little boys. To me, it is so devastating. Um, like, even even Harry was like, yeah, my relationship with my brother is not good right now. And I was like, oh, yeah. like, that's hard. That's a better and response than outrage. But I would, I bet you, maybe, you're probably right. Like, he should be sad is probably the right reaction. Well, and, like, I feel like when you have kids and stuff, being with family is good. Like, it, it would be good. And, you know, I, you know, like, I, I don't know. I just, I hope that um, they are able to repair it. And I hope, you know, it's just really sad. The whole thing is sad because I'm sure that they did feel... There's a reason they left. You know, something was going bad. I think the media was mean to Megan. You know, they have to have someone they... Like, from what I understand from the comments in your YouTube, is that, like, people were super mean to Megan, and, like, Kate was the... Yeah. The favorite. Yeah. Um, but, I mean... I mean, yeah, I think... It, it, so, it sounds like it was over the top. What do you think about... Uh, do you, What do you think about the idea that Harry is um, 
projecting or, or, or protecting his mother by project by uh, taking care of Megan. Like how, how much of that dynamic do you think is true? I would I could see it because I think that like he was, I you know like Diana from the beginning like was tormented in her relationship with Charles and like the family did nothing to protect his mother. So, I mean, I'm sure his mom had other, I mean, she was 19 when she married Charles and now had all kinds of things with eating disorders and depression and stuff. And I bet he really feels like his Wait, mother. Wait, sorry, who had what? Diana. Had eating disorders and depression? Severe bulimia. Oh, I didn't know that. Sorry, I'm not. Okay, my bad. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so I think there is some of that. But is it, I guess my question is, and, and I, I don't really know where I fall on it, but is certainly he is saying, I saw this happen to my mom, it's not going to happen to my wife, and so I'm moving out. Yeah. He's, he is clearly articulating that, I guess. Although I think the media loved Diana. The family did not, but mm-hmm. the media loved Diana. So there is a difference if that's the case. Like, like the media was not loving Megan, apparently, is what they the, what they were saying. I I didn't understand. So I just don't have the insight into what happened with Diana or what happened to Megan to know is that a narrative that Megan and Harry are using to explain their decision? Like, are they are they using that to say here's why we're doing it, or is that really how? Like, is he really having that uh, protective instinct? I can't tell if it's what's real and what's not real. It, intellectually, it makes sense that he's protecting his mom by protecting Megan, right? I mean, he is definitely all in on protecting her, and I think in many ways doing the right thing. But I wonder, like if I were his coach or therapist, that's what I'd be trying to figure out is what's really going on inside of him. Is he doing what he intellectually thinks is the right thing? Is he reacting based off of what he emotionally thinks is the right thing? Is he begrudging the move like I wonder where do you think he falls so if I was honest about what I really think okay so I That's feel like I trying to get you to do yeah do, I'm gonna do. be honest I this is just Allison listening to an interview with no background information but I feel like and I I do not know Harry or William but like watching them grow up like they're besties my concern for the Megan Meghan Markle saga is that, um, that like right now it seems like the right thing to do, but like long term, I'm worried that he will resent her for it because he is close to his family, you know, mm-hmm. and so like being isolated from your family, uh, I don't think ever, I don't think it helps strengthen a relationship. Mm-mm. Is if you're close to your family. Yeah. It's almost like a weird abusive um, situation. What do you mean? Like, uh, abusers make... Well, you could talk about this, but, like, abusers will make people isolate themselves from other people. So you feel like... I guess I'm trying to figure out. You think the family was abusing him? And so now no, it's no. Himself? I'm thinking that, like, the, either it's, like, a weird codependence or, like... Megan Markle is forcing him to isolate from his family. Um, and right now it seems oh. okay, but I worry in the future that that could be catastrophic. Yeah, that's what I... I that's my honest opinion. Hopefully not, hopefully not, but there's definitely a part of me that feels like he's made majors... 
I hope that Megan is being totally... If, if Megan is telling the truth across the board, then I think there was good reason for them to leave, and I think that Harry did the right thing, and he's going to feel good about that. If he turns to her in five years and starts thinking back and going, 